Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 17 of Robot Radio. This is Greg Stanwood along with Andrew Martin. Uh, we took a week off last week. I had to go back to Los Angeles to move out of my old place, but we're back on a regular schedule now. Uh, so let's let's get right into it. Let's talk about the uh, the uh, first year player draft of the past week. Uh, it was a little, little less exciting for me this time. Just I'm not entirely sure why. Maybe I just because I didn't think we had that many super high exciting prospects to watch. Uh, I mean, we obviously always have exciting players to keep an eye on, but there wasn't. I mean, we weren't in the Bryce Harper sweepstakes. So uh, a lot of people were saying that this was kind of a weaker draft class than usual. So there weren't a lot of. Uh, I mean, Bryce Harper. It's, there's not always going to be someone like him in the. Uh, in in every draft, but still, it seemed like kind of the front line of the uh, the draft was really kind of not not uh, not very you know established in a certain tier of quality. Yeah, there's a lot of talk that next year's draft's going to be uh, deeper too, which is interesting because I've heard allegations that the uh, <clears throat> the the Dodgers who made, they, the kid they drafted in the first round right. has already committed to go play basketball or baseball and football at, in college and. So they're accusing the Dodgers of taking a a weak pick that's not going to, or you know, a strong pick that that looks good on paper, but he's probably not going to sign so that they can have a the same draft slot or you know the better draft slot in next year's stronger, mm-hmm. deeper draft. And they've denied it, obviously, but it seems pretty blatant. That's what they're doing. Yeah, and I th- I think that's honestly, I mean, you know, taking advantage of the way it works, that's that's a legitimate way to handle the draft. I mean. I don't know if the rules are going to stay the same as as the as the uh, contracts, the player contracts, are changed up in the next couple of years. In fact, I don't really even know if the draft is really affected by that. That might be on a separate contract altogether, or a separate bill, or however that works. But well, I wouldn't doubt that the slotting system and stuff like that has to be. I mean, it's, I know it's advised by Major League Baseball, but some of that has to come from the CBA. I, I can't imagine the players' union doesn't take some sort of right. like, active interest in these first-year players. Right. I just don't know if that if those rules are part of the regular contract <laughs> that they put out every five years or so. It might be a separate uh, issue altogether. But regardless. Uh, you know, I I don't know, but I, as 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 far as I remember, the getting a first round pick compensation pick for not signing your first round pick is a relatively new concept, isn't it? I couldn't answer to that honestly. We've seen it being used in the last couple of years. I mean, the Nats went after Aaron Crow two years ago, and then the Royals picked him up last year, and it's already looking not so hot for them. But <clears throat> I think it's interesting when players. Any, any player that holds out of the draft and doesn't go uh, doesn't go with the major league club that drafts them, as long as they're not going off to college, the t- the players that are like out like Aaron Crow who hold out and go play indie ball, I haven't seen too many cases where I mean at least with the high end talent where it really benefits them. Hmm. I mean we could go back and cite Matt Harrington and all these things too and how his baseball Cr- career pretty much washed out. Didn't Crow end up signing for like a million and a half less than he was going to get with Washington? Something terrible like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean. From what we've seen in his minor league numbers so far, and granted, minor league numbers can be uh, can be misleading because, well, it doesn't necessarily tell you what the teams are looking at, but uh, it doesn't look so hot so far for him. And I don't think indie ball is the best developmental league. No, it's not really a developmental league at all. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a a purgatory league. Uh, That's funny, purgatory. When you have nowhere else to go. Um, Welcome to limbo, kid. So we have our first round pick was uh, the first position player we've taken since Troy Tulowitzki in 2005. He's an outfielder, Kyle Parker. 
Uh, well, what do you, do you have any thoughts on, on, I mean, we obviously haven't really seen much of him, but uh, do you have any thoughts on him? Well, I wasn't horrifyingly thrilled with the pick, but uh, I will say that we are, our system is somewhat lacking in positional depth. <clears throat> we do have Gomez and Nelson and then other guys in the lower minors like Arenado, Wheeler, uh, Pacheco, people like that. But as far as um, you know, non-catcher prospects go and... Uh, I guess it's good to have another outfielder in a system like that. What I, and I, I'm not going to claim to be the draft or the scouting expert. It's not really my area of focus when it comes to baseball. But the scouting reports looks like he's questionable defensively. I mean that he has a big power swing, but that his batting average might be uh, might be another misleading thing. In fact, that, it uh, was another concern that I've read on a lot of scouting reports is that they don't know if his recent success is really sustainable or not. He yeah. kind of he kind of went from an upper average kind of player to like a really good player in just one year and so yeah. it could be you know an anomaly that he 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 you know made that much progress over one season and, and they're obviously not just looking at college stats when they want to try to make a draft pick the scouts are obviously looking at a lot more and if they still consider him to be you know first round talent there's obviously something to work with there so we shouldn't be too uh freak out too much about the uh the college baseball statistics but uh you know, let's hope for the best here. I mean, who knows? Maybe if he's terrible in the field, he ends up being like you know the incumbent first baseman. They also, um, I had a thought, but it's gone now. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> well, I, I kind of like the looks of our sandwich pick, uh, Peter Tago. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, Tago. I always think like, wait a minute, he's got a name that's like food, but it's different. Taco. Not, uh, <laughs> I'm thinking like, exactly. So I'm thinking like, you know, is it spam with a G? Skibam? No, hang on, that's not right. I remember my thought now. It was about Kyle Parker again. So I'll oh, go ahead. Track real quick. There was some concern about his signability, but it looks like they were they were pretty confident even before they picked him that he was going to be able to sign. I assume they had some sort of dialogue with him before uh, the draft because I know they were scouting him, but they were also scouting Castellanos. They were scouting Gaussman. They were scouting uh, who else were they? Uh, Aaron Sanchez was mm-hmm. was on that list. Uh, so I have to assume that since they didn't pick any of those guys, they discussed some sort of deal. They got a ballpark of what sort of figures he might be interested in, and then uh, hopefully it works out because everything everything seems to be pointing that he's interested in signing. And I hope this wasn't – I mean, if he is interested in signing, good and great. I'm just hoping that the uh, we didn't handcuff ourselves too much with signability issues. And it doesn't look like we did because, I mean, where we picked, it wasn't exactly as if we were – looking at a, you know, number two, number three overall, and then, you know, pick someone. Like Greg probably... Reynolds. Well, <laughs> no. So, yeah. I, I'm, de- de- I'm... Dead horse beating, but, uh, I mean, there's accusations that we went for the more signable pick, but from everything I've heard, and I'm, I'm also a little bit more uh, forgiving and trying to at least believe, because it's not my, like I said, not my area of expertise, that the organization really did see him as being a good long-term solution as a pitcher. They probably did. <clears throat> well, um, I mean... Whatever it is, I am glad that Parker's looking at signing because whenever I hear Parker, I'm always thinking Parker Frazier for some stupid reason, so I want to keep calling the kid Frazier even though it's Parker. Parker Frazier just got assigned to Uh, Tri-City. So so did Hector Gomez, actually, which is interesting. Uh, Gomez all the way down to Tri-City. Yeah. I think, you know, he's been hurt since, since like the first week of the season, and he's only now recovered, so... He'll start. He'll he'll start along with Tri City when they start playing, I think, and then hopefully, as soon as he shows that he has a step back, they'll put him back in Tulsa. 
Whew, that scares me a little bit. I mean, if we're really counting on this kid to take over second base in the next two years here, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm just a pessimist when it comes to this, but I'm not terribly impressed with our middle infield depth coming up. Yeah, we uh, a half impressed, half unimpressed thing. I still take the position that neither Nelson or Gomez are dead in the water, or that they should be, uh, you know, shrugged off. And you know. Hector Gomez especially still shows up on our top prospect lists, both from within the Purple Row community and outside of it. But, you know, they, they've both been hurt for a little while, like every year the past four years or something like that. And uh, sometimes, in some cases, for very long-term uh, amounts. And, you know, it just delays them and delays them. And now that they're both on the clock, or on the option, on the, the, uh, yeah, the option clock, so to speak, you know, they both have to be ready in two years. Yeah, it, it, with Nelson, at least at least we could say about Nelson that he's in AAA, and he's doing something in AAA. I mean, he, I mean, the last time I checked on his numbers, he wasn't looking too bad. Uh, and, I have the, those here. I open the window. Let me see if I can find what he's done here. They don't have any really good stats on the uh, on the website, but I can take a look. Uh, unfortunately, I opened the wrong window. I opened their roster, not their stats. Let me open that real quick. Uh, talk about Peter Tago while, while I uh, open these up. <laughs> well, Peter Tago, from everything I'm hearing about him, live fastball, um, got some, you know, got, got a little bit of, a lot of work to do on his uh, secondary pitches, but at least they exist. We're not dealing with a straight-up curler. Um, I'm reading good velocity reports. Uh, you know, could be a good fill-in within the next, you know, several, not, like, close. We're not talking Matzik level of talent, obviously, but, I mean, definite rotation candidate as things go forward there. Um, Although I, I I believe there's some concern about his uh, his his depth in terms of how far he can go in the game, they said that he uh, after like the fourth or fifth inning really loses some velocity and some command. Well, look at how old he is too. I mean, we're not exactly talking about a 24 year old who suddenly can't make it past the fourth inning. I mean, there's going to be a lot of strength and conditioning stuff that he's going right. to do. And, and I mean, we see this a lot with a lot of players who really, you know, still have a little bit of growing to do. And then in doing that, they fill out their frame and they suddenly can find, turn themselves into a six inning pitcher. And, you know, worst case scenario, he was a sandwich pick. So it's not as if our first round pick was, you know, Casey Weathers or something like that. And, you know, not to badmouth Casey Weathers, but it was a questionable pick to take that early in the draft. Um, if worst-case scenario, he turns into being, you know, a late-inning reliever kind of candidate because of longevity issues. I mean, we took Rex Brothers with that with it. <clears throat> excuse me, with a uh, with a comp pick last year. So right, and of course there have been comparisons to Esmel Rogers, and Rogers has, you know, he's still technically a starter, but it's looking more and more like he's going to be converted to the pen at some point. What's fun is I have a, a baseball sim league. I play a lot of uh, out-of-the-park simulation baseball, and Esmiel Rogers ended up being one of my uh, starting candidates going down the stretch. He pitched about, uh, I think, 100 or so innings as a starter. Uh, not a good strikeout-to-walk ratio at all, but he did a good job suppressing home runs, and yay for him. Of course, <laughs> this and also in this pretend league, Jeff Francis came out, absolutely crapped himself, and couldn't do anything whatsoever, and I pretty much DFA'd him at this point. Oh, no. Well, I oh, know tragic, right? Okay, so back to Chris Nelson real quick. He's actually doing pretty well in in thirty games. He's only played, uh, you know, about half the season really. Uh, he's hitting three eighteen. Got four home runs, thirty six, no eighteen RBI. Um, let me see me, if I can. Can you, me, can you give me his full slash line? Slash line. 
batting average, on base percentage, slugging percentage. That's uh, your slash line. That's what that's called. Yes, I know. Okay, it's that's three eighteen, three eighty nine, five eighteen. That's pretty decent right there. I mean, you got to take you got to take the uh, slugging with a grain of salt because you're playing in the springs. But uh, those are pretty decent numbers. If you can keep that up for another, oh, I don't know, another thirty games or so, I think. And 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 our second base situation doesn't improve. And granted, I th- I think a lot of this is going to be hinging on how Eric Young Jr. returns. Mm-hmm. If he returns and it's like, okay, you kid, you need to go into remedial study again here just to get yourself back on pace. I don't know. Maybe we should be looking at Nelson a little bit sooner than later here because, well, it's funny to say that because second base is still a problem, but Barmas is kind of going going all, you know, questionable clutch on us, coming through with a big hit but stinking the rest of his at-bats. And uh-huh. so- I mean, I'll take it. I guess because it's not as if he's blocking anyone specifically, unless you consider that he's blocking Nelson. Um, well, because Nelson's still playing shortstop too, for as far as I know, and uh, mostly playing shortstop. They're introducing him a little bit to second base. He kind of starts at second, maybe <laughs> once or twice a month. Uh, we can't be looking. I mean, I'm wondering what they're holding off on moving him to second for. I mean, is it just that we don't have a better shortstop to play, or what? Because He's not going to play shortstop in the majors. We have no. this fellow here. I don't know if you've heard of him, <laughs> Troy Tulo something. Well, here he, I hear he's decent at baseball. Uh, let's see. Nelson is walking and striking out a, a reasonable amount for, for, for both of them. It's funny. He actually has the exact same walks and the exact same strikeouts as Jay Payton, who has <laughs> played in 25 more games than he has. That is kind of funny. Uh huh. No, Peyton. Uh, Peyton's interesting. Just, I mean, because he's obviously not. Considering we have, you know, four starting outfielders up here, and then as soon as Dexter's done with his, you know, remedial assignment, he'll be back up. I mean, uh huh. <clears throat> I'd still take Cole Garner and the majors over him, but uh. Yeah, somebody was saying uh, on MLB trade rumors that there was a link to an article from one of the Denver writers that was saying uh, that. Peyton could actually wind up being like a surprise minor league depth trade candidate midseason. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I saw too. That's what yeah. I was about. I, could, I mean, I wasn't going to cite the post there on that. I just remember reading it that Peyton's been really, you know, doing all the good. I mean, he's batting decently. He's doing all the good hustle things that everyone likes to hear, being a good team guy. And, you know, who knows? Another team with a you know complete black hole in their outfield could really use a guy like Peyton. Yeah. <clears throat> kind of have a Matt just kind of resurgence or something like that. I don't know. Uh-huh. Maybe not Matt Hurgis, but you see my point. Veteran, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Uh, no more Garcia Parra research. No, yeah, no more Garcia Parra. <laughs> Except we're not going to move into first base. No. Well, we could. <laughs> no, I'm yeah. just kidding. Well, no, we're not, considering uh, we still want to talk about the draft more here, or should we move on to sure. first base? Sure. Uh, we can mention <clears throat> that uh, Chad Bettis, who was our number two pick, has already signed. Good, good. You like to hear about the early round player signing? Yes. Um... We also signed one other player. I believe it was our round eight pick, but I can't remember his name at the moment. I can bring up the. Uh, what about what about Jim Tracy's kid? He signed yet? I don't think we have any confirmation <laughs> on anybody else except Bettis and uh, and the other guy. Let me bring up the uh, the draft signing diary here. Yeah, we have a good draft signing diary diary going on on Purple Row right now. If you just kind of slide over to the right of the main page there and all the fan posts, we got a. Front top top a top wrecked fan post from Rock's Girl documenting the draft and stuff like that. The other player signed is Corey Dickerson, round eight. That's um, a silly name. I suppose we, we there's always some silly names, although the the names last from last year's draft were funnier. Uh, well, just so we could say Rex Brothers, both well, of them. That plus my <clears throat> my favorite baseball name ever, Sequoia Stone Cipher. <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> I always smile when I hear that name. Yeah. We, need get, we need to get a, a Jayhawk Owens and Sequoia so- Stone save from the same team. That would be difficult. But uh, there was also, let's see, what was the guy's name? Michael Monster. Michael Monster. Yes. How can that name not strike fear in anyone? I hope he's a closer. <laughs> Exactly. Well, there was there was some other funny closer name that from this draft. Somebody had a last name that was like uh, I I don't remember. But we're uh, the experts, folks. We're the experts. <laughs> uh, yeah, but anyway, I believe those are the only two we have confirmation to have signed yet. Good. Uh, okay. Uh, you want to talk about Houston Street? <clears throat> sure. Let's talk about Street. I mean, we we he is in AAA right now. Ward is going to be evaluated over the weekend by the manager, Jim Tracy, and he might be activated by Minnesota time. Right. He uh, might He might be making that trip. <clears throat> and so you have his uh, you have his Colorado Springs stat lineup, right? I do. Uh, it's only four games and only 3.2 innings, so it doesn't really say a lot. It's not, yeah, it's small sample size, but we just want to take a look at certain things to see what we can make out of them. Basically, in four games, he's had two good outings and two bad outings. Uh, he has struck out five batters in those 3.2 innings, so he's getting the K. That's but he, phenomenal. He also ha- and only one walk. Uh, yeah. But he's getting touched. I mean, he's given up seven hits, which gives him a total whip of 2.18. Um, and I believe he's given up. Let's see. Ha- <clears throat> no, he's only given up one home run. I thought he gave up two, but uh, Still, one's a little apprehensive. Uh huh. <clears throat> Any home runs are a little apprehensive, but also remember, I mean. Coming back off rehab, he's probably not, you know, throwing his nasty s stuff. So, I mean, who knows? The home runs are a bit disconcerting. I won't lie, especially uh, coming back up to the majors where people do even more of that. But uh, <clears throat> so I, I'm more concerned about strikeout and walk numbers. Mm-hmm. Really, and, and, and he's only walked one and struck out five. So yeah, exactly. And granted, small sample size, blah blah blah. But that's part of the evaluation process. There it is. Yeah, yeah we can't, mean, and we're not going. We can't leave him down there for. For you know, weeks and weeks on end. So no, nah, there's no point in it. I mean, when we bring him back up, there's no way he's getting slotted right back as a closer. That's just silly talk, especially with uh, Corpus being effective. I mean, he'll be back there eventually here, but I'm just saying, don't be ex- you know why Street's back up? Why is he not pitching the ninth? Because he needs to pitch the sixth and seventh for a little while here until uh, his major league composure has returned. He also spent a little bit of time at Tulsa <laughs> earlier. I mean, there's no real point in bringing that up because, I mean, it was only for 1.1 innings, but it's still uh, just – just uh, he, he, did, he did much better down there. But, of course, that was before he, he kind of fell off the rehab wagon again for a little bit and mm-hmm. uh, had to come back. So do you think so, that uh, – I mean, all the, all the hits and runs scored aside, do you think that now is the time to bring him up? bring him up before we go to Minnesota? I don't, I don't think there's really a bad or a good time to do it, because when we consider what Street's job is, the high leverage, I mean, we can rant and rave about Betancourt, and, <clears throat> but it's pretty obvious the organization's not going to do anything with him. Corpus is doing the job in the ninth just fine, and then even though Bilal's had a couple rough games the past little while here, he's I mean, you got to make allotments for these things. You can't be expecting everyone to come out and strike out the side every single time, and Bilal's still been effective enough. Right. Um, the big question is just who gets the axe. Uh, is cut. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I I hate to think about Randy Flores getting cut just because I hate to think about anybody getting cut, and he's been somewhat effective, I guess. But I mean, we've noticed and mentioned, and Andrew Fisher wrote about in his uh, third of the season report card that 
you know, he started out pretty nails and he's kind of fallen off in the last, right. you know, and month or so here. So he, he went, I, I'm, he's done better than we expected, <clears throat> but he's also kind of become redundant because we have Morales and Bimal back. And really the only hope we would have had to keeping him would be a trade of Morales. Yeah. Uh, I think at this point, uh, if it's not if it's not stri- street coming back, it's going to be Buck Holtz that gets him uh, him uh, designated for assignment. Yeah, and Al honestly like the idea of losing a lefty. Not so much that I hate our lefties or whatever. We have three maybe, of them though. But do you remember? Three out of seven. It was yeah. the uh, just a couple games ago where uh, Tracy used his entire bullpen except for I think Morales in like two or three innings. Uh huh. Like he did so many switches and matches and mixes and double switches, he cast the entire bench in, and we ended up losing anyway. I think Grant <clears throat> That might have been during that stretch where he was overworked, so they set him down for a little. Yeah, bit. and well, whatever. I mean, I guess he I guess at least five of them. Yeah, he used at least. I, I do think I do feel that we need to take some of Tracy's toys away from him. I mean, not to be horrible to the man, but yeah. Well, he's still going to have two, so he'll still play around with it. <laughs> um, let's see. What else is there on the on the, the table to talk about right now? Are you there? I'm here. What's on the table still? I would still say first base. Okay. I, and, and I know we're kind of beating a horse here because we all know, yes, Helton is struggling. And there's not much we can do about it because he's just struggling, but it's struggling with pr- of pretty epic proportions here. The only thing is going for him is a decently good on-base percentage. And, you know, that's good still. But when you're complementing that with a slugging percentage that's lower than your on-base percentage, mm. like, not just like we're talking like inches here. We're talking, you know, a 50-point drop-off there. Right. He's slapping singles, and that's all he's really doing anymore. Yes, we've seen a couple doubles out of him and stuff like that, but like last night, it was over three of the strikeout, and his strikeout rates up, all that stuff. And yeah, I'm just—I know, like I said, we keep bringing it up, but they're not doing anything. Well, I'm not they, saying trade him or DFA him, but we got to figure something out they, soon. To, to to their credit, they did finally move him out of the three hole. Uh, I'm okay with putting him in the two hole. Uh, a lot of people want him seventh or eighth. Honestly, I think the on-base percentage makes the two spot a little bit of a of a of a consideration. But you know, if he doesn't work out there either, then I I'm certainly not going to fight to keep him there. No, and I don't know. It's it just frustrating to watch a franchise guy like this having this much trouble. I mean, something is clearly wrong, and I don't think it's his eyesight because if he's getting on base this much still, it just seems a little silly just to say, "Oh, it's just his eyesight." It's just his uh-huh. eyesight. Someone brought up, I mean, come on, the guy's got a trick back and he's got a, he's got Crohn's disease. There's a good chance that he just might be cashed in. Uh Uh-huh. And, you know, that would be unfortunate due to the, uh, you know, we have him for three more years Uh after this on contract. So uh, the thing that this brings up in my mind isn't even so much of, you know, I'm not even thinking long term at this point. I'm thinking let's not lose right now. And it just blows my mind that when we say, Let's bench Helton. Well, Giambi may or may not be it, so we can't be we can't bench Helton. Uh-huh. We don't have to. St- Giambi is not our other only other first base option. We have this Brad Hop fellow who knows how to play first base. Maybe not that well, but he's a better bat than Giambi right now, and we can probably 
wouldn't be too hard to go ahead and start Spilly Smith and uh, Carlos Gonzalez in the outfield. Or we could call just... Fowler back up. <clears throat> or we could... I don't like the idea of calling Fowler back up yet. Well, I guess I wasn't assuming that you were talking about making this move right now, suddenly well, throwing Hop on first base. But, well, uh, I, I, th- I think we should put Hop on first base within the next week or two here. Okay, so you but, would start Hop at first base today? Uh, yeah. Okay. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, well, the thing is, too, is I, no, I would not. I take it back. I would not start him because I know the organization hasn't been giving him reps at first base. In you know batting practice and warm ups and stuff like that, I just know that they haven't. So in that regard, no, I would not play him at first base. But you'd start getting him those reps. Yes, right now. And what what drives me nuts is the fact that they just said, "Well, we thought about Hop at first base, but we're not there yet." When are you going to be there? When we fall three games under five hundred? I mean, when we scroll, when we lose another one run game? I mean, if Helton was producing, producing. I mean, the the one thing he's doing is he's not wasting too many outs, but. <clears throat> it's not. He's hit into a lot of double plays recently, though. That too. That's why he's not that good in the two hole either. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to worry about all these things, and I mean, if we have to do something, put him in the eight. I mean, I'm sorry, Todd, but you have to bat eighth for a while here. Cause well, you're and just... he, he, being that you know he has, I guess, as good a chance of anybody as turning the lineup around. That's not a bad idea. That's... I mean, he, he could still act. Could do a better job than Barmas at you know, not having the pitcher lead off every inning. Yeah, precisely. And then it, it's kind of one of those, you know, it's not good, but it's not bad. If we, I hate having to think in that mindset, like let's pick the lesser of two evils, but that's kind of what it's coming down to here. Mm-hmm. So that being all said, I mean, <clears throat> honestly, give him rep, give hop reps at first bench Helton for a little while. Just let him sit and watch and maybe get his head on straight again and uh, play our three outfielders. And then if we need to make a ridiculous double switch, we can put him in a double switch. It's not that big of a deal. And then, uh, you know, move hop back to the outfield. Right. I'm not going to cry too hard about that, but we have other options is my point. Uh Uh-huh. Well, uh, I think we're running out of stuff to really talk about here. So let's talk about the schedule for the next couple weeks. Uh, We have interleague going on through the next next two weeks. And then we also have our series at – or here at home against Milwaukee – uh, we play them three times this season. So we go to Minnesota next week, and I'm kind of excited about that. I always enjoy I always enjoy the opportunity to see them play in new environments. Yeah, I agree. And with Minnesota, too, we got, our pitching has got to be on their best behavior because Minnesota, at defense, too, because they're a good-hitting club. <clears throat> and, and the way uh, that Ron Gardenhire runs that club is – pretty old school he likes bunting he likes speed and all that stuff like that and our defense is going to have to be sharp and we, our pitching is going to have to be sharp we cannot give anything away we got a pretty tough interleague uh schedule you know landing toronto minnesota boston and the angels um you know the angels aren't the uh kind of dynamos that they have been the fa- the past few years they lost a lot of their team but they're still they're still holding their own and yeah. Then the Red Sox started off slow, but they're coming back hard. And uh, Minnesota is pretty much just, you know, taking advantage of playing in their division and just making them look silly. Yeah. So, um, you know, the easiest series is going to be Milwaukee. And that's going to be – it's another home series. It's another home series against a bad team. 
you know, that might be a good chance to try and, you know, prove that you can handle the bad teams. Uh, you know, people have been saying we've been playing to the level of our competition. Well, you know, that's kind of a silly thing to say just conceptually, but that's kind of what they've been doing. Uh, they, they come out and they, they realize they have to try harder. Uh, you know, when they're facing Roy Halladay or Tim Lincecum or San Francisco's pitching staff in general, and then, you know, Houston, they look dead. Yeah, I mean, Houston just took advantage of a team that wasn't trying. And, I mean, that's, that's not really fair to say because I'm not there in the clubhouse. And I mm-hmm. don't know, but, I mean, it's been a frustration of a lot of people that they just have not been – they just don't look sharp. They don't like they're trying all that hard. And Well, the worst game was, was the second game of the series. In, in the – the ninth, you know, we hit some balls hard, and losing that grand slam through Belial was just unfortunate. And then, you know, really against Oswalt in uh, in the game on the tenth, on uh, the final game of the series, you know, we didn't come through and produce, which is still, you know, not an excuse, but we looked a lot better in the sense that, you know, we weren't we weren't flailing at the plate and swinging at stuff in the dirt and we were making solid contact a lot. It was just, it just wasn't working out for us. Yeah. Not every loss is the same. Sometimes you lose a game. Sometimes you are beaten and Roy Oswalt beat us, but other two games we should, we, we lost those games. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, we looked like we came out a little short, a little harder against Toronto. I mean, I think that they saw the big home run totals and freaked out a little bit and yeah, they got a home run off Ubaldo and God forbid Ubaldo Jimenez look human for once, you know, but, uh, I mean, I think we're going to – I don't know. I, th- I think that we can step up and play them hard, although it is raining in Denver right now, so who knows what's going to happen tonight. Yeah. Uh, the game starts a little earlier, but it's still it's still pretty negative forecast, and I can very easily see some uh, some delays or some postponements or something. You know, th- these games are tough to make up because oh, – yeah. It's not like Toronto ever comes to Colorado for anything. Right. And, you know, the, the way you program that is you have to hope that Toronto would be headed out here sometime or j- just headed out west somewhere. Yeah, play the, um, play the Mariners or the uh, right. I, A's or whoever. If we do miss a game, it's going to be something similar to the Philadelphia game where they're basically going to say, we're not going to schedule this game until we know we have to. Yeah. Um, if, if, one of Phil- <clears throat> if one of Philadelphia or Colorado needs – 162 games to determine their placement that game will be played if not yeah. then it won't be mm-hmm. uh and then you have toronto which would basically be the same thing if mm-hmm. if toronto were one game behind or if we were one game behind and we needed to play to, to get a playoff game or whatever we'd play that game yeah but, it feels like the weather is misbehaving especially lately like this this season it has been worse this season we haven't i mean i you know i've this is already the most postponed games i've ever seen on this team uh, in any season. And of course I haven't been following it as long as most people have, you know, I've watched four full seasons and then half of this or a third of this one. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at the most we've had one or two every season and now we've already had what four. Yeah. Uh, Some of a a couple of ill-advised games too. Don't forget that Washington game where it was a swimming pool and we kept playing. And a lot of people didn't think we should have even been playing last night either. Yeah, that's it. It was looking pretty ugly last night. It was. I. I. It was not flooding like the other one, or it was around the sides. But <laughs> like, uh, at least this time they didn't play the entire game through. They said we'll yeah. go as long as we can, but you know, it's it's finally time to just stop it right now. Especially when you had that uh, that sequence where like uh, three crazy things happened. Where like uh, Carlos Gonzalez lost a hold of his bat and threw it at Alana Rizzo. 
and then you had uh, John Buck like slide and, and and hurt his leg, and then the third baseman also like tripped and fell on his face, all yeah, on the you, same foul pop up. And then it was just kind of like, yeah, probably time to stop playing about now. I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt that both Tracy and Cito Gaston were both you know throwing a fit at the crew chief. Well, the he was talking to them a lot. He went up to the pitcher, and he was I mean he was talking to the the players. He was talking to the clubhouses. They had umps going in and out, even while the game was still active. He just wander over there and be like, he'd probably be saying something like, "Just gonna finish this inning. I promise. Just gonna finish." Yeah. This but I mean, good on them for actually calling the game. I mean, I know yeah. it's not easy to call games, especially when we've already lost this many, but to rain. But uh, whatever. I mean, if they have to call tonight's game, and I were granted we're saying this, you know, before the weekend's up. But so if you're listening to this on Monday, you know, I sure hope yesterday was a doubleheader. Um, assuming assuming you're right, assuming tonight's gets canceled. And assuming that Sunday is also beautiful. Here's hoping for beautiful weather. Let's see if we're right or wrong. I might be going to the first game on Sunday. Uh, nice. Or hopefully the only game. I want to see them play tonight. I want to see it go normally. You know, doubleheaders are fun, but by the, you know, the sixth or fifth or sixth inning of the second game, I'm kind of tired of baseball. <laughs> yeah, you, you, uh, you've reached your point of uh, saturation. Yeah. Um, so it, it would be ideal, obviously, if they can just play t- tonight's game normally, tomorrow's game normally. And it's going to be raining tomorrow, too. Yeah. Uh, we have a day off on Monday, but Toronto does not. So Ooh. we wouldn't be able to, uh, to, to, to pull that off, unfortunately. Here's, a- here's, what, here's what we do. We take the next series. We bring that team here. We play a day, day cap against them in Coors Field on our off day. And then the second game, they play a bizarre game where they both play in a different park. How's that sound? <laughs> well... That actually leads me to something I want to touch on real quick because we're, we're, we're definitely running out of time. But I just want to n- know what your thoughts on this because I think this is ridiculous. They, they reassigned Toronto's schedule to play their home games against Philadelphia at Philadelphia. And do, do you recall what the reason for that was? Because their home stadium is in use for some sort of summit or something. Um Look, I understand moving them out of the Rogers Center if they can't do it there. If there's some other more important commitment than a baseball game, fine. But don't the home park of the other team. Yeah, why you, can't, you. Why can't they find some other stadium that's not in use that day? There so has to be a neutral site, and I mean, there's got to be a way that they can plan ahead for this. I mean, heck, go to Montreal, go to Olympic Stadium for a game. I'm sure that they wouldn't mind having one weird game like that, or sure, you know, one or, series, or even just like go to you know, let's say the some other stadium in in the in the north or the east is not in use. Yeah, Detroit's only a couple hours away. The Houston Astros did that a couple of years ago, I think. They they had some games where they couldn't play in their park, so they moved to a neutral team. They played in Milwaukee. Okay, there you go. Um they should they should they should have done that, I think. It, it, I, you know, I'm I don't follow the I obviously don't follow the Blue Jays very closely, but I'm sure they they Curious about it. Well, it doesn't sound they're too furious. They understand, and I mean, whatever. But if it were me, I would be far more upset about losing yeah, I, home I, losing home games to become away games. Right. Exactly. If, if we if we had to move to a neutral park, fine. That that sort of thing happens sometimes. But you know, there's 30 parks, and only 15 of them are in use at a time. Yeah. There, there's there's got to be something that could work out. Right. Well, uh, unless you have something else to add, I think that we've covered just about everything we can right now. Yep, a lot, lot, lot to talk about today. I think we're done. All right. Well, uh, on behalf, of my, well, we'll see you next week. And on behalf of myself and Andrew, take care.